gonna do. The powwow after you take a shower, and we only deal with the real. It feels so surreal having a show featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things within the community, like raising funds for charity, fighting for diversity, inclusion, dispelling myths and illusions, raising helpful awareness, tremendous conscious athletes, marathoners and triathletes making a difference, combating ignorance. Mm. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, D. Ivan Oxley. Today we got a special guest all the way from Little Rock, Arkansas. Woo! We've been trying to get him on the show for a while now. Mr. Give it up for Mr. Andre Slade. What's going on? How y'all doing? Oh man, how are you doing, sir? Man. <laughs> A long road, <laughs> but a long road? I'm, I'm finally glad to be here on this show. <laughs> oh, man. Before we, before we get started, I got to retune it. We do. I got to know, man. Are you a D&D man or are you a five bucks man? Man, right now I'm actually drinking a uh, cinnamon uh, almond milk macchiato from Starbucks. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, I can't mean, I, I can't do uh, I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to. Those hardcore drinks like straight coffee, you know, straight uh -huh. drinks. I have to have a little sugar in there. So, you know, whatever I can season it with or put any type of uh, sugar in there, then I'm good. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm. So I wanted to get you on the show. For those people who are not familiar with you, why don't you just kind of like give them a brief, you know, tell them a little about your background, how you got into the to the road of running and made it to Boston and, and as uh, you know, you're not like, you're like a celebrity there from what I understand. So uh, oh, wow. I'm gonna shut up, take it away, man. <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> um, I think, <laughs> all right, well, you know, the, my story starts, I'm, I'm from Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas. And, um, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you remember uh, Brenda, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, she'll tell you, uh, she'll tell you that there's not a big running community here for well at one point uh for african americans a lot of times she'll tell you she was the only one there or she could mm -hmm. count one you know not over five or something like that so for me running didn't start until later in life i didn't start young i didn't uh play sports i was athletic but I was into a lot of trouble and, you know, I end up not having a grade sometimes to do a lot of the sports I wanted to do, but you know, it's funny how you can get a gift and it's not necessarily the gift you may not want, but the mm. gift to wake you up to, okay. um, you know, wake you up and, and, and open your eyes and you get a different perspective. And so, um, I was in 2006, I was uh, riding my motorcycle. Uh, I was in flight school at the time and mm -hmm. uh, another biker hit me. And mm. when we collided, I, you know, he regained control and uh, went on and I hit the pavement uh, going about 70, 80 miles an hour. And so somewhere when I fell, my shoe came off and it, uh, uh, the parts on the motorcycle, moving parts, concrete, all that stuff had a hand in, you know, dismembering my foot and I ended up mm -hmm. having my right foot amputated. So, um, you know, at the time everything was gone. I felt like I lost everything. And so over time, I, uh, you know, I, I 
you know, started reading and some friends found out some information. I found out I could, I could still fly airplanes. So I had to go through the, uh, through the steps to uh, regain the process to show the FAA I could still fly while having a prosthetic. So I'm one of the few mm -hmm. pilots that can, that's a professional pilot that that's also an amputee. It's not very many of us. I think it's single digits. And okay. Wow. As far as I know, I'm the only black one, but I, I don't, but I do know of a few, like literally two other pilots uh, that fly and they, they, one had a motorcycle wreck and I think the other one was, it, it was something tragic as well. It wasn't born that way. Cause a lot of times when you're flying, you're already told off top that you have to have everything together. Like I couldn't go military cause I wore contacts. So a lot of us okay. were put together as perfect as possible. And then certain things happen and then we, we adapt and we adjust. Um, I started when I returned back to flight school around 2008, 2009, I started working at, um, Delta Airlines. I had a love for travel and I didn't want to spend the money to do it. So um, <laughs> that's, that's how I, that's how I fixed that. I said, okay, I need to get, I get a job and get paid. I want to travel and not pay anything for it. And I started working for Delta Airlines. And so uh, I work out of Little Rock, Arkansas. So it's a small airport. And so a lot mm -hmm. of, you see your frequent flyers over and over that, you know, you know them by name. They know you by name because they're traveling every other day like every week and you know, mm. hundreds of thousands of miles a year you know some yeah some very very a lot I, I met a guy that i don't i don't know how long he's been flying with delta 10 or 20 years and he's got six million miles on there. yeah it's crazy and so i saw this one guy's name is jeffrey glassburner this guy was in shape and he had this bag full of legs you know and here I am. I'm I'm kind of like shy about mine. He was wearing shorts and he just looked mm -hmm. a, this amazing guy. And you know, I approached him, you know, asked him did he need my help, and he's like, no. He was in a wheelchair at the time. Well, he didn't need his wheelchair. He did speaking events from mm -hmm. and speaking. He used to do wheelchair basketball, and you know, he goes and speaks to different schools. So, long story short, because I can talk all day. Um, the Boston Marathon bombings happened. And I don't okay. know any marathon runners. I, like I said, I didn't meet Brenda and 100% of everyone that runs. I didn't meet them until after I started running. So he was the only person I know that probably ran marathons because he, he, he did like um, 11 Ironman in 12 months. Full Ironman. Mm. Yeah, this guy's insane. Like he... He's the first amputee, American amputee, to summit Mount Everest. He did that last May or two Mays ago. Like, he's crazy. Wow. And so, I just, what's I his just, name again? His name is Jeffrey Glassbrenner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, G L A S B R E N N E R. And, um, but anyway, he didn't accomplish the Everest then. He, he definitely did the, the, the full Ironman at that point. And so I just said, hey, you know, I sent a text. I said, Jeff, I just saw these, these bombings. I, you know, I don't know if you're running because I know you ran marathons. And, you know, excuse the text mm -hmm. if, if I sent it, you know, by mistake or, you know, you're not running. But if you are, you know, hope you're safe. And he responded back. He's like, yes, I am running it. And they just stopped us a few minutes ago, a quarter mile wow. from the finish line. He said, man, thanks for looking out. And I'll contact you when we get um when i get to a safe haven and i haven't talked to that guy in a year you know 
I just I hadn't seen him in a year. And so he mm-hmm. contacts me back and he says, Hey man, <coughs> we need to do lunch one day. You know, mm. and I was like, Okay, I don't know why you wanna do lunch, but all right. <laughs> That's fine with me. And so, he wants to eat. <laughs> right, I guess. And so we did lunch and I mean mm-hmm. that's when everything changed. He said, Look, I, I have this vision. He's like, I am a competitor and he says, I don't like to not finish. Like they gave us our medals and I just pretty much took the medal home and I put it in a in a you know, I just put it in a bag somewhere because it didn't count to me. I don't have it shown because this is mm. I didn't finish that race. He's like, I want to go back and finish what these guys took from me. And I'd like mm. to promote, you know, being an athlete and being an amputee to the survivors. And I want to transform you and whoever I can into marathon runners. He's like, have you ran before? I was like, no, I haven't ran since high school. It had been, <laughs> <laughs> it had been 15 years since I, I mean, I probably did basketball in 06, but I didn't, yeah, I wasn't running. I'm good. And mm. he was like, man, you know, what do you think about running a marathon? I was like, nah, I'm good, man. It's, you know, good luck to you and all the other people. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, like, good luck to you. you. <laughs> Keep inspiring. Gave him the thumbs up. And he was like, <laughs> he gave me this look. And he was like, well, would you do it if you knew that you could change somebody's life? Then he started pulling at my heartstrings. So that mm-hmm. was unfair. But he said, uh, you know, would you do it to inspire? You know, somebody may see you and say, that's going to be me. And now mm-hmm. you've gotten somebody who was probably on the verge of depression or suicide sitting in the couch to now running. Mm. And then that was like, oh, fine, whatever. I was like, in my head, I was like, all right, I can walk 26 miles. I ain't even worried about it. And like, <laughs> I know I can't. Like, you know, there's certain things I know I can do. So I was like, all right, I can walk 26 miles, you know, in my head. He's like, all right, we're mm-hmm. going to train. I was like, why are we training for? We're just going to walk this 26 miles. Like, no. He's like, no, for you to get to Boston, you have to qualify. I was like, I got to walk them twice? He's like, no, no you can't walk. You got to have under a certain amount of time, which is going to require some effort, which is going to require some running because they're just not going to let you in. And he's like, mm-hmm. the only people that get in without qualifying are the people that kind of raise money to do it. But everyone else you know, we're getting in by qualifying. He's like, I'm not letting okay. you get in by charity. And that's what, you know, he's like, I want you to earn it and you're going to feel better that way. That's what he wanted. That's, and that's what he told me. So, you know, I was like, I tried to make every excuse because at the time I was, I don't know, 245 pounds. Like I was a big, I was a big boy coming from at the time of the wreck, you know, a hundred and, yeah. 75 pounds, you know, soaking wet, you know, to now get mm-hmm. a couch potato. And so I was like, oh, I don't have a running foot. You know, I, those things are expensive. You can't, you know. And he was like, well, we're going to try to get your running foot. And the running feet for um, for runners are usually mm-hmm. ranging anywhere between, you know, twenty to $60,000, depending on what you're trying to use the foot for. And what kind of mechanics wow. goes involved. Yeah. And insurances don't cover them because they can break. And it's just, mm-hmm. they're like TVs. A lot of times they have a three-year warranty or something like that, but they don't cover it like insurance. And because they know you're putting, you know, they're going to put the the strain on it. So, so I called his bluff. I was like, oh, we'll see. And rest assured, he, I guess he had a spare one. 
and, and the way they make the legs are out of or through your weight. They make it, they say, okay, so you weigh this much, it can hold mm-hmm. this much. And he was way lighter. He was like 170 pounds. He was like, your weight is not made for this, but this is going to get you by for right now until we figure it out. So I was doing what you call the hard route where I would get there to the park. I'd have to get an Allen wrench, unscrew my foot off, put this screw on. I mean, this literally like changing mm-hmm. the tire every time I came to run. And, but I was still thankful, you know, I was running. I was like, wow, you know, I felt so much more in control of my life from going from seeing people run to making excuses not to, to, wow, I can mm-hmm. actually go out and run, you know, and again, I was overweight. So it was tough. I mean, mm-hmm. I was sweating within five steps and running. Well, at the same time, my, I had a flight physical and at this time, you know, I have my, my license and. I'm getting ready to go to professional route. Well, we have to get tested every year on blood pressure and diabetes and stuff like that. They don't want us croaking while we're flying airplanes. So yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing. No, it wouldn't be at all. So uh, my blood pressure was barely within the window, and my flight doc was like, "Look, we're, you know, I'm gonna give you a little while, and I'm gonna test you again, but you're too young to be out, almost out of this window for blood pressure. We're gonna take your license." You know, I can't let you fly under this. Because, and at the time, pretty much all medications weren't allowed because they, anytime the FAA doesn't done its research and they don't know, they just say no. So okay. they're just going to assume the worst. They're going to assume it's going to make you sleepy. It's, they're going to assume it's going to make you sad. You know, all the negative things. They're just going to assume until they do enough tests on it. And eventually it's going to happen, you know, because it's just they need pilots and they need, you know, if these people, if they if it's been set that these people can function and live fine with, while being on certain medications, they may allow it, you know, but it's still, okay. you know. So anyway, so then I started changing my diet because now, now you're messing with my money, you know, so now it's a whole mm-hmm. different ballgame. The Boston Marathon, I was like, yeah, yada, 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 but I got to get paid. So um, I changed my diet and mm-hmm. um, at first I started eating like chicken breast and green beans. Well, the chicken breast still had high sodium. I was still swelling up and it was still tough for me. And so I had a friend at the time say, hey, watch these videos. I watch these documentaries. I think it was fat, sick, and nearly dead and earthlings, forks over knives. Whenever you see like a vegetarian trend, like right now it's mm-hmm. what's the health. It's usually some big, you know, if they haven't been like that all their life, all you do is ask them what was the show that changed them. So for me, it was forks over knives. For the okay. newer generation, it's it's what the health. Like I haven't even seen it, but I know it's showing something, exploiting how gross the food process is, and it's usually scares people for a while until they scared straight, healthy straight. <laughs> yeah, until they until they pass by Popeyes and they smell that nice fried that is, chicken. That is done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about all that bets are anymore. off at that point. Uh. Yeah, right. So. Um, so then I went vegetarian. I, went, I actually went full vegan. And the fourth day I was going to quit, like mm. this third, this night of the third night of uh, me going vegan, I was like, man, screw this. I'm going to Buffalo Wild Wings tomorrow. I can't wait. It's Thursday, boneless wings, 75 cents. You know, I'm doing a happy dance. And I woke up that morning, like it earlier than I've ever woke up before, like, I went to bed late too. 
Went to bed mm-hmm. like at midnight, one o'clock, woke up at five without an alarm. And, you know, you wake up and you only have four hours of sleep. You're feeling groggy. You're sluggish. I woke up and I was like, I didn't, it took a while for me to catch on. I woke up and I was like, hmm, 5 a.m. And I was like, it's early. So I tried to go back to sleep. Couldn't go back to sleep. Like, closed my eyes and I was like, I can't go back to sleep. And normally I could go back to sleep if I only had that much sleep. And then mm-hmm. I went on the rest of my day and I was like, man, I feel good. I haven't felt tired. I haven't, you know, I had breakfast. I've just been more alert. Like, I flew the airplane. It just, everything was just clicking. And I was like, well, listen, I pray all the time. And I haven't had any changes in that, in this type of thing, unless all of a sudden God's like, hey, well, we're going to make you feel good today. But I had to Mm -hmm. do the math. And I said, the only thing I've ever changed in my life where I felt like I got that much quality sleep is my diet and so that made me stick to it and so mm. so how long have you been a vegan now i'm not vegan anymore um okay i've, I've you know kind of like passing by popeyes i haven't had chicken but if i pass by cheese it's a wrap like cheese <laughs> is my yeah cheese is my thing. achilles heel and it's not yeah it's not every time but i don't feel the right to claim vegan if i'm eating cheese every now and then i'm like ah, oh, you can put a little shredded cheese keep it on there so so I haven't had uh, chicken in uh, four years. I haven't had turkey. I haven't had beef. I've had some mm. fish. Like, I've had some salmon, like wild Alaskan. Because it's kind of different. When you go to these meetings and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and I'm not saying change anything about yourself, but, you know, they're taking you to these real nice restaurants or something like that. Because at the time, I was running, and mm-hmm. I, got, I got a few sponsorships. And I was getting invited to this, these different stuff. And I mean, I saw the menus and they weren't very vegetarian friendly. So sometimes I was like, man, at least I could probably pass my fish because I don't want to, you know, I don't know how this guy's going to take this, gonna take disrespect for me not eating. So, yeah, um, I'm not hungry. What? Right, right. <laughs> so when you, I knew they pull out all stops for these meetings and stuff like that. So, so that's kind of my you know, I'll get away with this and I'll eat that. So, um, so yeah, uh, back on to Jeff, I'm training. He gave me a terrible training regimen, which I hate. And Jeff is exactly what you think someone who runs that degree. He is a stickler. He's anal for everything. He wants everything. He wants Mm -hmm. to know everything he wants. He's no excuse is great enough. You know, if you couldn't run, then you need to get out after work at midnight and you need to find a safe place and get your miles in. Like, it's not a good, not a good excuse. I, I can't make an excuse good enough. Mm. I mean, I could be like, I'm going to get shot if I run out. Well, you better duck bullets. Get those miles in. You better duck. Yeah. <laughs> you better like, not he's duck he's that guy. Yeah. Like, if you meet him, he's that guy. Like, he's the nicest guy. But when it comes mm-hmm. to being an athlete, like, and he's, I mean, he's like Jordan. He talks trash, too. He's like, please, like. Please bring your A game and we'll race or whatever you're going to do. I mean, he can't beat me sprinting, but other than that mm-hmm. and everything Long else, distance. he's an athlete, right? So, gotcha. um, so yeah, he, you know, I went from that and running and then the change of diet. Uh, mm-hmm. my, I had to find a marathon to run before October to qualify for the next year for 2014. And mm-hmm. so I was just looking because they had this website where it shows all these marathon these boston qualifiers and 
you know, at the time I was kind of broke. So I was like, man, I need to find somewhere where Delta can fly me there. I can run the race and leave, or I need to find somewhere where I can, I can stay with a friend or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. uh, my best friend, Matthew stayed in Colorado Springs. And so I did my first marathon there, the American Discovery Trail Marathon. I think it was on Labor Day. Okay. Um, And I ran in altitude, which was a big mistake. And um, the trail marathon, it it descended the whole race. So I I did pretty good. But for my first race, I got really hurt. But um, apparently, when you have a, um, uh, you know, a, a disability, um, they don't specify, okay, well, you're missing one leg, so you need to run a 430. They just group them all together. You can either make normal people time with your age range, like everyone else, mm-hmm. or if you go into, under the disability clause, they'll say, we'll get the top times with y'all. You to qualify, it's two qualifiers. To qualify with a disability, it has to be under mm-hmm. seven hours. But, to, okay. but you still, they still only have so many slots. So they still may only have 50 slots. So if Jeff, who runs almost accurately to, if he had two legs, Jeff runs about a four four something, like 415 or something like that as an amputee, Mm -hmm. he can can bump me. Like, so if, if, Mm -hmm. like, let's say it was, everyone else is as fast as Jeff and I'm I'm number 51, then... Then you out. Yeah, but, but my speed... I knew what I could do if I did make it that I could run faster than what I ran. I just made, me, messed up and my body kind of reacted different from running that type of mileage. And so, um, and this was three months after I started running, which you're supposed to train six months. So I ran mm. my first marathon, finished it, um, and then got my qualification letter and two more months from there. And then that's all right. Thank you. And then I ran uh, Little Rock marathon 2014 a month before boston because it was in my training regimen anyway to it was a long run it pretty much made it a long run day it's like i was supposed to run like 20 so i was like Mm -hmm. i'll just go ahead and knock out the 26 and so um you know we took care of that and then i ran boston so i think a friend of mine named denise she um found out i was running and she said you're Mm -hmm. not a part of these blogs and so she put me a part of you know, she introduced me on the um, the Black Marathon Runner site, and then mm-hmm. Black Men Run started running. So they they I guess they found out about me and they started talking to me. So I was a part of them. Eventually, I met um, uh, Timmy Lola Sobomihan with um, Running Nerds. So I mm-hmm. think everyone found out about this kid out here with one foot running marathons, and I think it was a little bit of hype. So it was. It, but it, it was it was it was humbling, but it was nervous at the same time. Cause I was like, man, do I have to live up to something? Because I don't, you know, it was weird. Cause I go to Atlanta mm. and I didn't really know anyone at one time. And uh-huh. You're that guy that's running. You're the guy. guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, who are you talking about? Somebody else, you know? And <laughs> everyone's just been so nice. Like I've met people that I call friends, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I I didn't have a secluded life. I have friends here, but you know, I didn't know people the way I do now. Like Brenda, who you interviewed not too long ago, she's only three blocks from me. So I was literally running at her house and we were running around the neighborhood. And, mm-hmm. you know, Brenda always knows to call me if 
she always wants to know what's what's the good deal on going to France Flight. or something. <laughs> yeah. So Brenda always knows. And she's always trying to take me. I've told her no every time because she's just so kind, and I'm just I need to take her up on it one day because I might be hungry. But she, you know, I've, oh my goodness, she's always she's just a friend. So it's it's hard to want to get any type of repayment from. Mm-hmm. From anyone that's from all the deals that you get her on, on, on right on flights, right? I'm like, I'm uh, on the inside, so it's okay, it's my job. <laughs> yeah, connect. So, right. let me ask you this Um, have you always had like a, a positive outlook on, on life? You know, I, I was a hyper kid growing up, so I was always into everything, and even when I was getting in trouble. But, um, I think my outlook wasn't as positive when I got in my motorcycle accident because mm-hmm. that put me in a weird place because no one give could give me the answers to anything like I prayed I felt like I prayed and nothing happened and I guess maybe you could say now prayers are answered in a different way but at the time nothing mm-hmm. you know asked my mom what should I do I mean she's honest she's like I don't know just mm. stay positive like no one knows what to tell you because you know 70% of motorcycle accidents end in death so a lot of times you don't always see the person that came back who's just he's an amputee now a lot of time they either come back and they're paralyzed from the neck down or they're dead so you can't communicate Mm. with them so a lot of times i don't think they even knew what my potential could be i mean and when i found out my potential you know i started to gain life and but i was still angry like i was an angry person because you know in a relationship and Mm -hmm. this girl jumped ship maybe three weeks after amputation and um, I just felt like at my worst, I didn't, you know, the people I needed to show up, which my friends did, but you know, mm-hmm. at the time you want your girl to show up, you know, or something like that. And it's just people that I expect not to show up or hmm. did show up and people I expect to show up didn't. So it was, you know, it's still a little anger and I was still kind of down about life. And so, but as things continued and I found out what was available to me that's when I opened it up. And that's when I, I got more positive because mm. I don't know if you know, but I went from that to sprinting. And, you know, I went to Olympic trials uh, 2016 for, to try to go to Brazil running the 100 and 200. I was hurt there, but, mm. you know, to be 35 years old, 34 and, and sprinting, and I'm running decent. I'm beating people out mm-hmm. here and, you know, getting in shape and all this type of stuff and never sprinting in my life. So, I mean, mm. to for those doors, all these doors would start opening and, you know, getting help from the state of Arkansas to get through flight school because I was disabled. I mean, it was so many doors opened up. So, I mean, I couldn't, you know, I guess in so many words, so many ways, it just, I don't know, it just made me positive. And gotcha. I've been positive ever since because I want to be that guy. I didn't have a Jeff to talk to me when I was going through it. So... Mm-hmm. I met Jeff afterwards, but I want to be that person that's always approachable, always helpful, always at least knows the right people to send you to. Like you come to me about plane tickets. I'm not, I'm not working for an airline. I want to at least point you to somebody. You come to me mm-hmm. about running shoes. I want to point you out to somebody. And so that's, that's me. I always try to stay positive at all times. I, you know, I, it's, it's no use being upset, at, you know, anymore. I mean, obviously I have more reasons to smile than I did then, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's 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 me. I've always been a happy kid for the most part, though. Cool. So, are you doing like speaking engagements and um, 
motivational yeah. talks and, and such. Yeah, it's funny. I, I spoke to, who was it, two years? A year ago, I spoke to Pepperdine University in L.A., and I also talked, I was a keynote speaker at a high school here in Arkansas. Hot Springs is about an hour away, but this particular school, you had to have a dis, somewhat of a disability, and I guess the state pays for it. And that was probably the greatest one because I didn't feel separated at all. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just a triumph story because everyone in there had a triumph story. I just got to let them know that you can take it to the next level. If you want mm-hmm. to be a pilot, you can. And, you know, and just to let them know that, hey, there's people that are probably telling you now that you can't do this. And, you know, I had a, um, I had a chief pilot tell me that he didn't think I could fly safely while having a prosthetic. He told me that and he put it in a letter form. Mm. And, you know, every day I just hope to see his face just to show him my certificate. Damn. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like I haven't had any problems yet, you know. Mm-hmm. So to empower people on any level, it, it doesn't matter if you don't have a disability, but, you know, I've, I've gotten inboxes from people and they're like, hey, I've, just because you can't see your disability doesn't mean you're not dealing with one. I mean, being overweight yeah. is somewhat of a disability. D- being kind of stricken to the house, you know, I've, there was a guy I met, I ran a 5K and, um, Connecticut with my with the prosthetic company I was with at the time and mm-hmm. I met this guy he had a arm sling and he said oh yeah man Boston accent he's like I used to run that stuff you know and I was like but yeah kudos to you and I was like kudos to me why aren't you out there well I had this stroke you know and I can't really lift and that's when that Jeff came out of me and I cussed mm-hmm. at him I didn't know him I was like I don't give a f like mm-hmm. dude what I need you to do for me, I don't even know you. I said, I don't even know you. You go out and you figure out how to run that 5K. Mm-hmm. And you call me a month, two months out. And I will come run that 5K with you. Mm. I don't care what time. I want us to finish your 5K. And I'll find out what's your time and we're going to make it faster than that. And he's like, all right. And, you know, for him to be running Boston, I mean, he was obviously fast and then to be mm-hmm. have a stroke. And I think his time was like, well, it looks like I got my time down to a, to a, to a 33 minutes, 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I already had in store for him. I was like, if he can run 33, we can, we can run 30. We just got to figure mm-hmm. out a good pace to set and keep it. And we just got to start off not too fast from the, from the jump and we'll just quicken it up. I mean, at that point, at that point in my running game, I, I knew, with me anyway, based on heart rate, based on what someone can do, it's all mm-hmm. mental at that point. And we ran yeah. a 29. We, we did faster than he thought, and mm-hmm. we hit my goal. And so, you know, that's, in my opinion, that's kind of what, what I do is transcend it. I always try to help other people. That's, that's the big one for me. But I haven't done as much speaking events. I've been flying so much for my job. I, Mm-hmm. I fly for the state of Arkansas, and I look for forest fires. Like I, I'm saving people's houses and property every month. You'd be surprised. It's it's dry mm. out there. They have these burn bans on TV, and these crazies still want to burn some trash in their uh, barrel. And all it takes mm. is a little wind to flick that leaf, that burning leaf out. And next, you know, you got a fire. And so, yeah, man. I guess the state of Arkansas says, look, we can't handle LA. 
So we'd rather have y'all out way before then just flying them and spotting them. And I, I have no problem with flying the airplane and getting paid for it. So um, so that's what I do. I uh, spot them, and then we have another group that if it's bad enough, we'll call it ground authorities, but if it's bad enough, we'll we'll call the guys to drop water on them. So. All right, man. Well, listen, Andre, I appreciate you taking the time out your schedule, man, to, to be with us, man, and, and to share your story. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Hey, man, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I told you I'd talk all that time. <laughs> it's all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, hey, I hope to meet you soon, man, and sorry it's been so long, man. Thank you so much for No worries, me. man. All it's right. all good, bro. Have a good one. Hey, you too. Take care.